In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So today we read the story um, of Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, and one of the most famous verses, so we read actually this um, during the Holy 50 Days, uh, is when Christ came to the place where uh, uh, Martha was. And it says in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Okay. Christ was reminding her of the resurrection. He was reminding her of eternal life. He was reminding her that the death that we perceive as death is not really death. That what we consider to be death is not something that is um, unsurmountable. It's not something that's difficult for God to overcome. It's not really a, an end, but it's actually a beginning, uh, the beginning of eternal life. And um, again, this is the, the concluding part of the series about spiritual exile. What is spiritual exile? This is the idea that we are always as believers to remember that while we are here on the earth, that we are not in our native country, that we are not in our home, that it is like we have been exiled. We are far away from our home, living away in a place that doesn't follow our values, that doesn't have our beliefs, that doesn't believe in our God, that doesn't, that doesn't even accept us. And we are foreigners in this land and that we are to remember this because we should not make our home here and imagine that this is the place where we belong and this is the place where we need to stay. And a good parallel to this is when Israel or Judah was exiled to the kingdom of Babylon, that they remained there in exile for 70 years, but they did not belong to Babylon. They were not Babylonians. They did not believe in the Babylonian gods. They did not have the Babylonian practice. They did not eat the Babylonian food. They shouldn't have done any of those things, right? And yet... We, what we see is that after the 70 years of exile in Babylon uh, had concluded, and now all the Israelites were allowed to return again to Israel, that even though many returned, there were some that actually chose to stay because they had made it to be now their home. This is what now had become familiar to them. This is now had become a place of their dwelling. And instead of returning to Israel where the temple was, instead of returning to their way of life, they chose to remain in the place that they were. And so we again look at ourselves and we see we are in this type of exile, right? How do I deal with this exile that I'm in? And how do I remain connected to God and remembering God and, and, and always remembering this verse here about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. How shall we always remember the eternal, the heavenly things, the power of God working in our lives, even while we are in this land of exile, okay? So um, how, do we, how do we do it? Uh, the first uh, way that we remain connected to God in the land of exile is that we must maintain a sense of purpose. And um, all of the verses that we're going to read today are going to be from the book of Daniel, because Daniel is a perfect example of someone who remained faithful to God in the land of exile, okay? So we have to have a sense of purpose, okay? Okay. Um, when, when Daniel and his friends came into exile while they were young, um, they were called to eat upon the delicacies of the king uh, so that they would grow strong uh, in preparation in the training for them to serve the king. Okay, But the food that they were called to eat actually was unlawful for them to eat according to their Jewish faith. 
So it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Okay. So from the very beginning of his exile of Daniel, we see that he maintains a sense of purpose. You know, um, he, he did not consider that because now he is in exile, that all of the laws, that all of the rules, that all of the values that he had now needed to just kind of be erased, wiped away, suppressed, and instead he would adopt the value system of the people that he has now been subjugated by, that he is now to be like them because he didn't want to stand out, because he didn't want to be different, because he didn't want to be persecuted, because he didn't want to be mocked or ridiculed or to be pointed out that there was something different about him. He could have very easily just stayed silent and eaten whatever it is that he was supposed to eat and drink whatever he was supposed to drink, okay? But it says Daniel purposed he had a sense of purpose that, that even though I am physically in this land of exile, but spiritually, I am still with the Lord. Spiritually, I'm still with him. Spiritually, I am still a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so I should maintain my discipline. I should maintain my love for God. I should maintain my obedience, right? So for us to remain connected to God in this spiritual exile that we are in, we have to remember our purpose. Why is it that God made us? What is it that God wants us to do here, right? The church has a purpose, but if each of us forgets this, if each of us forgets this purpose, then it will dilute the work of the church. It will dilute the salvation that we are able to, to accomplish in the lives of people. For instance, when, you know, when we are bold and we go in to speak about our faith to others, right? Even under the the fear of what might happen to us or what people might say about us or so on, right? Then this is a, a way for us to um, advance the kingdom of God. This is a way for us to have people who maybe would otherwise not hear God's word to hear it and to potentially be able to accept it and come to the Lord, right? And this is what Daniel did. Daniel did, had such a profound impact on the kings that he served under, on the other people that he served with because he was faithful in all that he did. And he was well respected. And even the people that did not um, agree with him and did not believe in what he believed, they respected him because of his faith, because of his sense of purpose, that he always lived intentionally. He always lived, you know, keeping himself from things that were defiling him, things that he believed were wrong, things that God had commanded him that he could not do. Okay, so that was the first way he remained connected to God is he didn't he didn't just get diluted in with the rest of the people and just kind of get absorbed by that society. He maintained his faith, his diligence, and all that he did. The second uh, way he remained connected to God in the land of exile is that he offered no excuses, okay? He offered no excuses. When the king had made a decree saying that it was illegal for anyone to pray, okay, to their God, we see that immediately after this, Daniel, he went to his home, Okay, and it says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, which is this law, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He, he, he acknowledged that, that, that to pray to God was more important than protecting himself from consequences that might happen if people know that he is praying. Notice also that he didn't try to do it in secret. You know, he could have like 
continued to pray as he was, but he would keep the windows closed and so that no one would be able to see what it is that he was doing. And he would be justified. And maybe all of us, you know, we even the apostles, um, you know, after the after the crucifixion of Christ, they remained in hiding. They would they would gather together and they would pray, but they would remain in hiding under closed doors so that no one would harass them, that no one would find them, no one would attack them, right? But here you see with Daniel that he didn't even try to hide. He he was completely open and transparent in who he was, and he didn't make any excuse to saying, you know what, I'm not going to pray or I'm not going to do, I'm going to change my custom of prayer. I'm going to change my, you know, my, my practice because I'm afraid, right? Because I am afraid. And, and certainly we live in a society today with a lot of fear uh, and a fear of having certain opinions, fear of declaring certain things, fear of believing certain things, fear of going even to church. More and more we see people who are, are mocked simply for going to church, right? There have been in the news stories of people that would hang around the doors of churches and as the members of the church come and enter to the church, they would mock them. They would attack them, right? This is America. This is this is where we live now. This is this is the society that we're in. Um, Daniel here gives us an example. How did he remain connected to God? He didn't give in to the fear of what might happen to him for being faithful. What might happen to him when he prays? He didn't offer any excuse, but he remained faithful to God, and he trusted that God was able to to free him, to rescue him from whatever negative consequence might happen to him right, from, 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 from being faithful. The third way that he remained connected to God in the land of exile is that he studied the word of God. He was always reading the word of God, and so the command of God, the law of God, transcended the law of man in his mind. He was more aware of God's commands and God's word than he was the words of man. He regarded the word of God more than the, the, the word of man, right, how much time do we spend, um, you know, uh, listening to the news? How much time do we spend watching TV and, 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 and kind of immersing ourselves in culture, right? How much time? And compare that to how much time do we remember God's word, right? It says in Daniel 9, 2, in the first year of the reign, uh, of, of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he kept studying the scripture. He was studying specifically the prophecies of Jeremiah. And that in this, he was able to determine that the period of time that the exile would last uh, in Babylon would be a period of 70 years, right? And this was very important because he was there in exile with the rest of the people. And he wanted to understand how long this period of exile would be. So at no point in time did Daniel just become a Babylonian. At no point in time did he just kind of fall in and, 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 and live like, like he was a, a Babylonian in the culture of the Babylonians. He would always remain connected to God. He always remembered the word of God, studied the word of God, revered the word of God because it was his lifeline. He lived by it. It was, it was his hope. It was the thing that connected him to God just as it should connect us to God now. You know, we live in, in times where there is a lot of desperation, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of trouble, confusion, deception, manipulation, 
all these things that we see around us from different people, from social media, from the from all kinds of media. There is this there. It is like a minefield. Everywhere we go, there's confusing messages, difficult things to understand, dangerous things, things that maybe we never imagined that we would see. We see it around us. Okay. How do we remain grounded in truth so that we do not become brainwashed, intimidated, so that we do not get confused by all of these messages around us? It is by remembering the word of God. When I, when I read the word of God, which is unchanging, it sets my standard. It sets my, my moral standard. It sets my values. It sets my beliefs. It reminds me of God's presence. It reminds me that God is the one that is in command, that God is the Pantocrator, that he is the one who created heaven and earth, that regardless of what man might say, regardless of the many, many voices that might speak, that God is the only voice that is the true one. And anyone who says what is what, what God says is speaking the truth. And anyone who says contrary to what God said is a liar. And this is important for us now more than ever, ever to remain connected to God's word, to be enlightened by it, illuminated by it, to be filled with the Holy Spirit understanding so that we live according to the truth and not according to the lies that are perpetuated everywhere now in every media source that is trying to confuse us and trying to <clears throat> intimidate us. A fourth way that we remain connected to God in the land of exile is through prayer. Daniel said, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You know, reading about the Lord and about God's command is one thing, you know, but to, to experience the presence of God, to be able to communicate with the God of whom I am reading his word is, 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 is something different, right? Like I can have a book that speaks about truthful sayings and truthful things, right? But I am now with the author of life. I am now speaking with the author of this book. And, and, and he is the one who explains it to me. Not just explaining it in my mind, like in a rational way. He makes me to experience himself. He makes me to experience the joy of being with him. He gives me glimpses of heaven even while I am on earth, right? It is in times of prayer that we um, speak plainly and openly to God, that we make our supplications known to him, that we tell him our fears, that we tell him our concerns, that we, we offer him repentance, that we, we reconfirm our connection to him, our relationship with him, our friendship with him, our obedience to him, right? It is not just that I am reading the word of God, but that I am putting it into practice in my life and I'm communicating with the author of this book. I'm communicating with the one who wrote it for my benefit, right? And I'm, I'm remembering him. And it is only through the, 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 the Holy Spirit that I receive working in me that enables me to live this life of faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trial, as here Daniel did, right? It is the source of power. God is the source of power. He is the one who is empowering me to live according to his word. It is not just cold commands. It is not just a list of here's what you need to do, one, two, three, four, and when you don't do them, you have punishment. No, it is a relationship of love with God that I experience in prayer with him, right? Speaking, speaking to him. Fifth way that we remain connected to God in the land of exile is by acknowledging our sin. Even though Daniel was 
a very righteous man. And yet when he prayed to God, he spoke on behalf of not just himself, but of the entire nation. Because why was the, the nation in exile? The nation was in exile because of their sin. The nation was in exile because they had failed. And even after many warnings, they did not repent and they did not change. So Daniel's attitude when he spoke with God was one of humility, was one of acknowledging sin. He says, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belong shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we have sinned against you. This humble attitude of coming to God, acknowledging that we are unworthy of him, that we are the ones who have failed, that the sin that is in this world is a result of our failings, our wrong choices, our uh, envies, our jealousies, our lusts, our hate, right? And it's easy for us to point fingers at other people in the world that maybe we see them as being hateful, we see them as being intolerant, we see them as being whatever, you know? It's easy to point and find failures in other people around us, right? But we should be looking in ourselves and say, can I find these things in me? Can I find intolerance in me? Can I find hate in me? Can I find envy and selfishness and lust? Can I find all these things in me? Maybe I am part of the problem. Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to adopt this um, attitude of humility as opposed to judgment, as opposed to feeling that I am self-righteous and more righteous than anyone. Here, Daniel, who was the most righteous one in all of Babylon, he's speaking to God and saying, God, you are the one that is righteous, but we are the ones that should be ashamed of ourselves for what it is that we have done, for the sins we have committed, for the worshiping of the idols, for all the mistakes and the failures that we made. We need to be ashamed of ourselves. So for us to really remain connected to God, we are, we are not called as Christians simply to be political activists. We are not called to simply um, want to create policies in the government uh, that, that line up with our philosophy, with our values, with our beliefs. And while, you know, it would be great to have these things in, in our government, in our politics, in our politicians that are Christian principles, what is even more fundamental than politics is my own spiritual life, is my own relationship with God. It's my own repentance individually, that if each one of us were to offer true and sincere repentance to God, offer true and sincere prayers to God, truly to live like the way that Daniel the prophet lived, then maybe the world would change, right? Not through political activism, you know, but through the change of people, through the sincere love that we could show to one another because we have this love for God and the love for our fellow man, right? Through this, through our, through the work of the Holy Spirit working in each one of us because we want purity, because we want the righteousness of God to reign in our hearts, right? It is in this that we would remain committed to God. We remain committed to him as a protector, as a father, as someone who forgives our sins and leads us to righteousness. Also, to remain faithful 
in exile, we are to remember the warnings of God. Daniel did this in verse 11. It says, yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. What is he referring to here? Back in the book of Deuteronomy, um, when all of the people of Israel stood at the border of Israel, this is before they inherited the promised land. This is before they entered. Okay. They stood at the border and Moses spoke to them, reiterating the law, the commandments, the promises of God and the warnings. And he told them that in the future, there will be a time where the people would depart from God and there will be all these punishments that would come upon them as a result of their disobedience. Moses warned the people from very, very early on before they even had a nation. Before they even entered the promised land, he warned them, okay? And so what was happening to Daniel and was happening to all of the people of his day, right, is that they were simply reaping the, the consequences of the warning that they had been already told, not only uh, at the time of Moses, but all throughout the many years since then that God kept giving them warnings, right? And he told them. And we also sometimes listen to warnings. We, we, we look at different warnings, right? We listen to the warnings. And yet, sometimes we are unresponsive to those warnings. We don't, we don't take action as a result of the warnings. We just simply hear it and we think that, well, this is still something that's not going to happen now. Or this is something that's really directed toward another group of people. Or I'm exempt from this warning. Or this isn't really what God meant. Or God is so merciful, he's never going to do this. You know, at the time of the exile to, the, to Babylon, so many people in Israel believed that God wouldn't actually go through with this, that he wouldn't actually allow his people to be destroyed in this way. He wouldn't actually allow his temple to be destroyed in this way. But he did. He did. He allowed it for the good of his own people to be restored and rejuvenated and revived from the sinful state that they had been. Okay. So what is it that God can do? He can do anything he wants, right? He can do anything he wants. And he warns us ahead of time. He warns us about the consequences of sin. He, he warns us and he, he asks us and calls us to live a life of righteousness, a life of repentance. And so, again, how do we, re how do we remain connected to God? We remember, we remember all that he said to us, right? We want to live according to his commands and, and not to be sucked into the world's system not to not to live according to the world and like the world and if we find ourselves doing this then we repent then we, we we come to god and we say god forgive me because i'm living according to the world system i'm living according to their values according to their beliefs not according to your values and your beliefs right you know have mercy have mercy on us and i think we are at a stage now in the world where we as all believers should cry out to the Lord and ask for his mercy upon the world because of all that is happening in the world. Because, because the, the world is in, a, in the state, crazy state right now, right? A state of, of, un, of upheaval, a state of uneasiness, a state of chaos and anarchy, a, like, a, like a state of, 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 of suffering, right? We, we call and ask God, for his mercy upon us, upon the world, upon the church, upon all of the people, that God would use all of these things for our benefit. Just like God used the exile of, to Babylon for the benefit of the people, 
We ask that God would turn all of these calamities and all of these destructive forces that are happening in the world for our benefit so that we would turn to God. So we would return to him. So there would be a revival. So we would remember him. So we would realize that we are not living here according to our own ingenuity, cleverness, that we are not gods ourselves and that we are in need of him who is the one true God. Also, Daniel, he remembered God's faithfulness. He didn't just remember the warnings. He looked at all the previous times where God was faithful and he said, God, I know you can be faithful again. And when we go through difficult times that seem like they're going to be the end of us, that we remember God's faithfulness and we say, God, you are the one who brought me to this place and you did not bring me here to destroy me. You brought me here and you will show me your faithfulness just as you have been faithful in the past. Daniel said, and now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. He says, what you are the God who many generations before allowed us to pass through the Red Sea and saved us from slavery in Egypt. You made a covenant with us. Your, your faithfulness, your, you are a God of faithfulness and you will remain faithful to us even when we have, we have sinned against you. We ask for, for your forgiveness. Okay. He remembered the faithfulness of God. We also should remember God is a good, is a good God. He wants good things for us, but he doesn't tolerate sin, but he is also quick to forgive. So we call out to him, asking for his forgiveness, asking for him to change us, asking for him to show us his mercy. And then finally, uh, Daniel, he believed that there was still a chance for redemption. He never lost hope and said, it is too late. You know, you think about somebody who was taken into exile in Babylon their entire society was destroyed. Everything was destroyed. All of their cities were destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem was destroyed. All the people were scattered. They were taken like into bondage, right? Anyone living at that time would have seen and believed that this was the end, that there is no way that God is going to accept us back again. There is no way that God could restore us again, that, that there, it, is, it is beyond, it is beyond this. We are living in a foreign land, okay? And yet Daniel, he believed that there was still the possibility of restoration, okay? He, he prayed this prayer. He said, oh my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the scripture. He, he's, Daniel is calling upon God not to delay, to act. He believed and had faith that God would act, that God would restore. And certainly he did. After 70 years, of being in exile, the people were restored again to their place. The temple was rebuilt. Jerusalem was rebuilt. The walls of Jerusalem was rebuilt. Their society was rebuilt. Everything was rebuilt, right? And the people were able to return. So Daniel believed that there was salvation, right? 
And if we live our lives believing that there is no salvation, that there is no redemption, that there is no restoration, that there is no way for me to be revived, you know, sometimes we, we live our, our whole lives struggling with sin. And every time we fall into that sin, we feel helpless and desperate and despair that there is no way for me to be revived. And yet we know that God said that he will accept us every time we stand again, every single time we, we stand up again after our fall, that God will accept us. That it doesn't matter the magnitude of the sin. It doesn't matter how much or how often we have failed. All that matters is that we believe in redemption. We believe in his love for us and that we offer a sincere repentance and that we know that he accepts it. We know because he is loving, not because we deserve, right? Daniel made it very clear here that none of the things that he was expecting God to do was because he was a righteous man or that the people were righteous, but it is because God is righteous. He says, we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds. I do not deserve good things, right? But because of your great mercies, because you are a merciful God who, who does not want the destruction of the sinner but rather that he return and live. This is, this is what you want. This is what you want. So all these things that we are called to remember, to remain connected to God in the land of exile, to have a sense of purpose, to make no excuses, to study the word of the Lord, to, to offer sincere prayers to God, to acknowledge our sin, to remember God's warnings, to remember God's faithfulness, and to believe in salvation and redemption, that if we are able to do these things, that even while we are living in a land of exile, even while we look around us and we find so few people that share our morals, that share our values, that share our faith, that share the belief in God that we have, that share our worldview, that share uh, the, the, you know, the way that we choose to live, and that more and more we find ourselves persecuted and attacked, and not just from a physical sense, but it could be from a social sense, could be from a spiritual sense. Look at all the amount of um, sin and temptation there is around us that is, that is seductive, that is attracting us to fall away, to be, to be attached to the world instead of being attached to God. That we believe even in the midst of all of this, that God can still prevail and that we turn to God and ask for his protection, for his love and his mercy, and we believe that he will. So in conclusion, God has called us to be holy. He calls us to holiness, even while we live in exile, and he offers us all that we need in order for us to be holy, right? We spoke about the importance of the family in the very first talk um, about how we are called to be holy. We spoke about um, examples from the Old Testament of people that lived in exile and how is it that they were holy. And today we spoke about specifically Daniel and how he remained connected to God even while he was in exile. So while we feel like, you know, we are away, while we feel like this is not our native country, this is not our final home, our final dwelling, this is not the place that God has promised we will be, but we trust that God is with us even now on this journey, that as we travel, we, we, he will allow us to remain faithful to him to the very end. And glory be to God forever. Amen.